Good morning. So this morning we are continuing on in our New Year's teaching series that we've entitled Rescued. It's a series where we are going to be journeying with Moses and with the Hebrew people as they go through the exodus from slavery in Egypt. And we're going to pick up today in the scripture where we left off last week in Exodus chapter 2. I invite you just to listen and take this word into you uh, today, this living word from God. Exodus 2, starting in verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinfolk. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one who was in the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? He answered, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. But some shepherds came and drove them away. Moses got up and came to their defense and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you've come back so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian helped us against the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he? Why did you leave the man? Invite him to break bread. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah in marriage. She bore a son, and he named him Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray this day that no matter who we are or how we walk in here, we would hear your gospel, your good news, and it would change us forever and liberate us to understanding what an abundant life truly looks like. We pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever had to settle in Midian? Have you ever had to settle in Midian? I don't mean necessarily that you've actually been to Midian before. To find Midian, most scholars agree that where Moses went was east uh, from Egypt as he was fleeing from Pharaoh. He crossed the Red Sea, which he'll do again in a number of years that we're going to read about soon with a whole lot of people following him. But this time he goes completely by himself, crosses east, the, uh, crosses the Red Sea east, and settles in what is modern-day Saudi Arabia, the western side of Saudi Arabia. I don't know how many of you have been there before. I don't know if you've been there how much time you spent on the west side of Saudi Arabia, near the Red Sea. But whether you have been to Saudi Arabia and spent time on the west coast or not, my bet is that you've had to settle in Midian. You may have gone there for different reasons than Moses goes there. Moses is fleeing for his life because he saw an Egyptian taskmaster uh, beating a Hebrew slave, one of his kinfolk. He reacts at the injustice and the violence that he sees. He kills the Egyptian taskmaster, and he flees because Pharaoh finds out about it. So the reason that Moses goes to Midian and settles there is because someone wants to murder him because he murdered somebody. Now, I'm not saying that you've gone to Midian for the same reasons as Moses, and I'm not saying you've spent much time in western Saudi Arabia necessarily, but regardless of both of those, 
My bet is you had to settle in Midian. Now, before we talk about what that means, I want to take a second to, to uh, draw our attention to something that's really important, that if we're going to talk about the books of Exodus, there is no way of escaping, nor should we escape it. And what we need to drive our attention drawn to is the reality of slavery that pervades the book of Exodus and pervades the story of God's people. Most of us in America think that slavery is something that happened a long time ago. It's a historical event that we sort of sorted out with the Civil War, and we could not be more wrong about that. Slavery is more alive in the world today than at any point in human history. It's important we hear that. There are more slaves globally in the world today than at any point in human history, and you and I benefit from their labor every single day. We don't do so knowingly for the most part, and it might not make us feel good to hear that, but it's important we sit in that truth. You and I benefit from it every single day through the products we buy, through the ways we spend our money. And so as a response to that, our church several years ago went into a unique partnership with International Justice Mission. IJM is an amazing organization. It is uh, the largest organization internationally that is combating slavery around the world. There are a few things I say this about because I think most situations that we like to make black and white are actually very complex, and there's usually a lot of gray, but this is one of those things where there's good and bad, right and wrong, light and dark, and IJM is fighting the darkness and standing in the light. And it is an honor for us to have an organization like that to be a part of and to support and to learn from and to grow from. The mission committee recently decided they wanted to take that relationship even deeper so that we can grow more from it and have uh, more involvement. And so IJM has 18 field offices. One of those field offices is in Cambodia. You may remember that a family from our church, Doug and Thais Kilday, and their three children went and lived and worked and served in that field office for a year. And so our church is going deeper into that particular relationship so that it goes from a global issue to something that we can get very close to and build relationships with those who are on the front line, that we know how to pray for them, to know that our church is supporting them. We're hoping over the coming years to send multiple teams to go from Covenant to Cambodia to learn about what's taking place and how we can be involved. It is an important thing. This is the kind of stuff that we've said is in alignment with who our church has always been, and we want to grow more on it, an outward facing congregation seeking to impact this world. And it's exciting that we have this mission partner for us to go deeper with. There's going to be information, uh, but not this today after the service in here, but over the next two weeks, there's going to be information on the patio between all four of our services to learn more about this particular partnership, to learn more about IJM, to learn more about the issues of slavery. But also at the table are things that we can learn about how we unwittingly contribute to systems of slavery. And I challenge every person and family that's a part of this church to go visit the table over the next couple of weeks. There's even a website they have. It's no cost. But you can go on it and you can answer a series of questions and you can actually learn generally how many slaves most likely support your lifestyle based on the decisions we make. And then it's educating us as to how we can begin making different decisions, mostly with our finances, with our money. Because what we don't want to be like is we don't want to be people who are like Moses in this passage. See, like Moses sees slavery, and when he sees it up close and he sees the violence and the injustice and the indignity of it, he responds by killing this Egyptian guard. Not only do we not want to do that, but what happens afterwards is he doesn't become this heroic freedom fighter. It says he goes back afterwards and hides the body and then goes back to the courts of Pharaoh to live. We have to sit with the awkwardness of that. 
Because that could describe how we respond. It's like, oh, I don't like that. That's unjust. And, and I want to stand against it. And it represents everything bad. But here's the thing, guys. When Moses goes back that night and tries to hide it and keep his lifestyle the same, every day he lived in the courts of Pharaoh, he benefited from slave labor. Does that make sense? And we need to be educated, not just about saying, oh, yeah, obviously we don't want to stand in favor of slavery, but how our decisions unwittingly can contribute to that, but also can help liberate slaves around the world. And there's opportunities to learn more about this, and this is going to be some of the chances we have over the coming weeks and and beyond. So we're excited about this and, and hope that you'll really take the time to explore this issue, especially as we're journeying through the book of Exodus, okay? But that also brings us back to the question we started with. Have you ever had to settle in Midian? Now, what do we mean by that? What is Midian? And I don't mean like the location and everything else. Midian is the place that Moses has to go and he has to leave behind everything that's ever made his life make sense before. He has to abandon the things and the structures and the relationships and the people and the dreams that he has about what his life, like you and I, every day up until that point, Moses woke up with a certain world in which he lived and he found a way that his world made sense and that he was kind of motivated to get up and do what he did every day and to have friendships and family and relationships. But when he goes to Midian, he has to drop everything and none of that makes sense for him anymore. Does, you see what I'm saying? None of that works anymore. The people, the, the, the systems, his title, his privilege as being one of the princes of Egypt, none of that matters anymore in Midian. And he goes to a place he knows no one and he has to figure out, what does my life look like now? Have you ever had to settle in Midian? Have you ever come to that point in your life where the things that helped your life to make sense at a certain time start fading away, start slipping between your fingers, and you have to try to figure out, is there something new for me to help me understand what life is about now going forward? Because the old things no longer work. Have you ever had to settle in Midian? Most of us, if we pay attention to our lives, have had to go there time and time again in different ways. It happens through all different kinds of circumstances, right? You can go to Midian because you lose your job. You can go to Midian when you're downsized. You can go to Midian as your children get older and the things that used to make your world make sense every day as they move away and become more independent, all of a sudden that's different and you gotta rethink things and figure them out. You can go settle in Midian when you have children. And the things about world, the life that made sense before children, all of a sudden that changes as well. You can go to Midian when someone breaks up with you, cheats on you, leaves you. You go to Midian when someone you really care about and love passes away. Make no mistake about it. Whether you've been to western Saudi Arabia and spent time there or not, there are seasons for all of us when we have to, like Moses, go and settle in Midian. And what's just as difficult, or maybe more so, is not just when we go there, but when people we love have to go there. And they have to settle in Midian. And their life stops making sense. And they have to figure things out. Midian is a place that it's the opposite of Disney World. Disney World's the happiest place on earth. Then there's Midian. Nobody wants to go to Midian. Nobody. Nobody sits there and goes, I, I, I'd love to go do that again. Right? Midian is a place where there are feelings of loss, being forgotten, feeling left out, feeling vulnerable, feeling anxious, feeling sad, feeling grief. 
feeling directionless, have you ever had to go and settle in Midian? And if you aren't certain, know that you will someday. While all of those emotions are proper and normal, fear, feeling left out, vulnerability, anxiety, sadness, when we have to go settle in Midian, for people of faith, one of the emotions that we need to not feel is despair, is hopelessness. And that is a natural place to go when you have to go and settle in Midian. And the reason that we as people of faith are not meant to feel hopelessness or despair is because we know that when we go and settle in Midian, we don't go there alone. We don't take that journey by ourselves. That we go with a God who will never leave our side. And what Midian becomes is a place where God, as we talk about in this series, rescues us. Now what form does that take when you're in Midian? What rescuing looks like in those points in Midian is that, res- is, that, is, that, is that Midian is the place where God profoundly reshapes and recreates our lives. It's where God remolds us and refines us and reorders our existence. It is hard work, it is not fun work, and yet it is critically important work. Because one of the promises we have when we know that God is faithful to us is this. One day we will emerge from Midian and we're not gonna be the same as when we went in. You think about it in your story, those pivot points. See, Midian are the pivot points. When I think about Moses, for example, I think about the one who stood in the courts of Pharaoh and this amazing leader and the one who led the people through the Red Sea and the one who went up the mountain and got the 10 commandments and all of that is true. But what formed Moses into that person? I would argue with you there was nothing more important than when he had to settle in Midian. That was when the Lord started putting pieces together in a new kind of way. And when Moses emerges, he's different. His life is different, isn't he? He goes in as the prince of Egypt, this kind of person of of, of unmatched privilege and status. And yet what he finds when he loses all of that, when all of that is taken away from him, and the pain and the loss and the grief of that, is he starts gaining a family a spouse, children, a father-in-law who will prove invaluable to him in the ministry that he's gonna have and he comes face to face at a burning bush and is touched by God and changed by God and given a mission by God and given a purpose by God and when Moses returns across the Red Sea to move into the courts of Pharaoh, he is a different human being than when he went east and fled from Egypt and went and settled in Midian and you are as well. Midian, if you think about the trajectory of your life, are the pivot points, those points where things change. And they are profoundly important as those are the times where God recreates us. When we settle in Midian, that's when God's work sometimes becomes the most evident. And therefore, we don't need to have despair, even when it's hard, because we're not there by ourselves. You and I as followers of Jesus need to become better at telling our stories about when we've settled in Midian. As human beings, we we protect those stories because if you share your stories about when you've settled in Midian, you're never the hero of the story. You're never the hero of the story when you settle in Midian, ever. And we love stories where we kind of are the hero. But the reason it's important we share those stories is because some of us right now at this moment are profoundly and, and in pain sitting in the midst of Midian right now. 
And all of us will be there again. And when we start sharing our stories, while we may not be the hero, we tell a story about how God is a hero as we see here and what he starts doing in Moses' life. And it gives all of us hope. Hope that we're not alone. And hope, even as we're in the midst of that time, of the promises of the faithfulness of God and how he will recreate and reshape us. We need to become better at telling those stories with no shame or fear because it tells the story of the goodness of our God. For me, if there was any point of Midian in my life, and like all of you, I have had to go and settle there in different ways, there is one clear moment that I have never shared in a church ever. Not in a sermon, not in a staff meeting, not in a Bible study. It is a moment that I have never referenced. It is a moment that I have never made a joke about or alluded to in any way. And it is the moment when at the end of my sophomore year of college, I dropped out of school. I dropped out of school, and I can blame it on a whole lot of different things. As some of you know, my parents had a divorce right before I started college, weeks before, and it came out of the blue and just literally blew my world apart. And the anger and the frustration of that, that was there. It may have been the fraternity I joined. It may have been the person I was dating at the time. It may have been a whole lot of different factors, but that doesn't matter. What matters is I decided to get out of school because I had what it seemed like to me an awakening. And the awakening I had at the end of my sophomore year, and really during it, was how pointless our lives are. How pointless our existence is. And all the little trivialities with which we busy ourselves to make ourselves feel a little bit better in the moment. I had been the oldest child, and I had been the oldest grandchild in my family. I had always done what was expected how success worked, how the rules worked, and I was done with it. Because where does it all end? You start and you have the right friends and you get into the right grades and you go to the right classes and you make sure you're in the AP classes. Why? So you can get into the right college and then you go there and then you have the right grades and then you make the right connections. Why do you do that? So you can go to the right grad school and make the right connections and have the right job and get to know people in the areas where you want to go. Why? So that you can go have an amazing career and you can work your butt off while you're doing all of that and you can make relationships and you can further your career and you can have people who know you. Why? So that you can have children and they can start on the same rat race as you, just running and climbing hills and going down them and realize that also on the other side are more mountains to keep climbing. Why? So that in the end you can retire and hopefully have enough of a nest egg so that you can say that we can travel and do all the things and that our family has more toys than your family does. Why? No one knows. Because it's just what keeps us entertained in the moment. We're cogs in a wheel. And I was done with it. I was done being a part of that system. And here's the great news, and all of you will be stunned to know this. When I decided to drop out of school, I didn't go quietly. (laughs) And because I went to this school, Davidson College, this small school outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, I had gone there because I didn't want to go to a big school that was impersonal. I wanted to go to a small school where I got to know my professors and the administrators and the president of the school, all of which is fantastic until you walk into their office because you have access to them and say that I am dropping out of your dumb school and the job you do is dumb as well because you are contributing to a system of meaninglessness and slavery that people just wallow under in our society, desperate for hope. And I looked at the dean at the end of my sophomore year and said that to him and walked out. And then I called my parents, who I had not told any of this to, both of whom were dealing with the aftermath of a very, very painful divorce. And they both told me on the phone, 
that I had made a mistake. And I cut them out of my lives too. On the phone, in that moment. And for the next seven months, I did not speak to them. Or any of my brothers. Or pretty much any friends. I'm not going to regale you with any stories of what I did over those seven months. I lived for part of the time outside of Boston. I lived in some different places in North Carolina on some different couches. And we can sum it up by saying that nobody who I hung out with in those times ever looked at me and thought, I think you're going to be a pastor someday. (laughs) I think this is headed towards Christian ministry. Until I hit rock bottom. And rock bottom for me was driving north on Interstate 77 just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, when the most profound wave of sadness and loneliness and brokenness washed over me that I did not know was possible for a human being to feel. Where I knew I was utterly alone in this world and I had no direction and no idea of what I was doing. And I pulled over on the shoulder of the interstate and weighed up some options as to what to do about that. And thankfully, I picked up the phone and called my dad, who left a meeting and asked where I was and then drove to pick me up and bring me home. That was the beginning of having to make some new decisions in my life. And for the first time, I wasn't doing it because it was the expected rule of how you do things. I started making some different decisions because I decided I wanted to. I started rebuilding some relationships with my parents. I had to start rebuilding relationships with my brothers. I had to start rebuilding relationships with some friends that I'd cut out of my life because they were part of the machine. And I had to walk back into the dean's office at Davidson College and ask him if he would let me come back to school. And this man looked at me, a person I didn't even know at the time, but he was an ordained Presbyterian minister. I didn't know that. And said to me, I have been praying for you every day since you walked out of my office. You may come back to school. And not only that, but I've mapped out a way, looking at some AP credits and some other extra work, where if you want to, you can still graduate with your class. Guys, I didn't, I didn't figure things out. The Lord in his grace was kind to me in a way that changed my life forever. The Lord showed up while I was settled in the middle of Midian and looked at me and said, I still think we can make something beautiful out of that. And while it was not fun and I never hoped to go back to the place that I was in that moment, I re-enrolled at Davidson College different than the way I had dropped out. God had done some work of recreating me in profound ways. Because that's what the Lord does when we have to settle in Midian from time to time. If you are there right now, you are not alone. When you go there again, you will not be there alone. If people whom you love are there or when they go there, they are not alone too. The Lord of hosts is with them and those are the moments of profound recreation and change. 
some of the most important work of our life that is never easy, but it is so profoundly important. So when you settle in Midian, know that you're not by yourself. And a new chapter in your story will begin. And when you know that, when you remember that moment in your life, when you claim that truth and cling to it because it's the only hope we have, there is only one response that you and I have as followers of Jesus, and that is to worship. To worship the God who brings out new things and beautiful things out of dead ends and out of the chaos that we choose sometimes in our own life. There's a great quote that says that worship is like laughter. You only do it in response to something. Sometimes the problem is, is, that, is that we just kind of check the box of going to church and worshiping. Worship is like laughter. We only laugh when we see or hear something funny. We worship. Why? Because what is God doing? God is writing this story in all of our lives and promising his faithfulness. And when we accept that truth, the only response is to praise and worship the God who will never leave our side. That, that that, that is the best news you'll ever hear in your whole life. Hallelujah. And amen. Let's stand and pray and sing and worship this God who loves us so. Lord God, we pray that for those of us who are right now settled in the midst of Midian, that you would Remind us of your promises. For those of us who have loved ones there, for those of us all who know that we've been there and will go there again, make us mindful that while we walk a journey that is hard, it is not one we walk by ourselves and that you will recreate, remake, reshape, reform us and our stories to still make something beautiful. We see this with Moses. May we see this and trust in this in our own life. And if we can trust in that, then may we worship you with open hearts, open lives, open arms, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. We pray for this and trust in this and find hope in this, this day and always. And all God's people said, amen.